passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. So head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. And if you use our promo code, they are going to give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So that promo code is Believe50. That's B L E A V. Five zero for a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody! Welcome back to another edition of Believe in Everything Auburn with Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. It is game week, people. We have waited a long time to say that, and it is finally here. The long-awaited, highly anticipated college football season is officially back. I guess technically there was college football last week for week zero, but your Tiger season begins on Saturday with Auburn hosting Mercer to begin the 2022 campaign. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us. Taylor Davis, my co-host Jason Campbell with me as always. We're going to break down this week one matchup and of course talk about all the latest news swarming around Auburn because believe me, there's been plenty of it. So Jay and I are, of course, going to break it down for you before we all head down to the plains. Obviously, Jason is going to be continuing his radio broadcasting duties for the Tigers. I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about where you can catch him this season and what all he'll be up to. And I myself am continuing my sideline coverage for ESPN. Jay, you'll be back on the radio broadcast covering for... um, Auburn and I know you guys always do such a good job starts pregame as well why don't you tell everybody what you'll be up to what's up Auburn fans uh this uh J- your boy J Cam uh <laughs> I always like this introduce I love when you do it uh, yeah but uh yeah so season is here what an exciting yeah. time the wait is over uh Mercer had a chance to play a game last week so mm-hmm. they'll come in here with a little bit more film to watch and corrections that they was able to make so no, I expect the first quarter, first half to be a little bit more competitive than a lot of people think, just because when you're playing in the first games, anything can happen as far as like trying to get your rhythm going and get chemistry going. It takes a little bit of time. So, you know, people, you know, give this team an opportunity to kind of get oiled and sealed and ready to go. Right. Uh, from a radio standpoint, 
we usually are set up between the old, if I remember the Haley Center, if you went to Auburn, it oh, was yeah. tracked through the Haley Center one time or Ugh, two. That's PTSD <laughs> from that building. <laughs> then you got the, the Auburn Stadium uh, right there. So we're right in between those stadium by the Cam Newton statue. Uh, if you want to catch us at the pregame uh, with Ronnie, Andy, Stan, and, uh, and so, yes, we'll be right there in Brad Law. So, awesome. you know, we look forward to uh, another successful season. And mm -hmm. this one is unique, though, Taylor. This was this is unique. I've never seen a team have five home games in a row. Right. Start a season in college football. And it's so big because the fact that we lost the last five last year to open up the season with the first five at home against the first two games. Let's just be honest. We should win. Mm -hmm. And then you get into the part before your gauntlet of your schedule really starts where you get the Missouri, you get the Penn state, you get the Missouri, you get the LSU. So all those games are winnable as well. So this team can have an opportunity to start the season off, you know, five and zero, and kind of block out a lot of noise that has been all over the off season, but we'll get into that here soon, but I'm excited about the season getting started. I think we all are. And look, I think more than anything, everyone's just ready to to silence the noise a little bit. I mean, we all know you and I have talked about it. Every Auburn fan has talked about it. This hasn't been the most ideal offseason. Even this week, there's been some off the field stuff happening. We're, of course, going to talk about that here in a moment. But Every bit of that goes to the back burner once there's play on the field, once there is game to talk about, once there is film to recap, that becomes the focal point. So very much looking forward to it. This one is going to be broadcasted on ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus, so you will have to stream it, unfortunately. It's not on traditional television. ESPN certainly making efforts, as all media entities are, to push, you know, their streaming services and platforms that way. So this one, if you can't be there, you will have to stream it. ESPN app is the way that you'll catch that one. But we're going to get into this week one matchup. But first, let's go ahead and get a main talking point out of the way. And that is that Auburn and athletic director Alan Green have parted ways. Basically, you know, Alan Green's contract was set to expire in January and from you know, conversations I've had that is not very common for an athletic director to be five months out from his expiration and still not have an answer. That basically is not the way that things go on that side of things. So he basically went to Auburn and asked for clarity, given how close he is to the expiration and was basically informed that it, kind of what everyone suspected, they were waiting to see the outcome of football season in regards to making a decision on his future, which for a multitude of reasons, Alan Green was not, not happy with and then pursued an exit strategy so that he can then be, you know, in a better situation to look for his next um, opportunity. And, you know, I just wanted to say this sports is a dog eat dog industry. There is just no other way to put it. It is, it can be the most pure and, and beautiful things, but it also can be very cutthroat and very difficult and challenging. And these people all have to look out for their families as well. They have to think of, of quality of life. They have to think of stability for their dependents. You know, I mean, these, these men that have wives and children that they're also looking out for And So I, I do not blame Alan Green for going in there and wanting answers and wanting clarity. And when Auburn couldn't provide that to him in a manner that 
that he felt was best for him and his family. He opted to, you know, take matters into his own hands in a way. And and both parties decided that he would no longer be Auburn's athletic director. But on a personal level, I want to say I have the utmost respect for Alan Green. I have interacted with him and worked with him in multiple, you know, capacities because of my career and also my, you know, association with Auburn. And he is a very, very kind and warm and ambitious person. And I always appreciated, you know, how welcoming he was of me every time I was back around Auburn. And I think that he has been, you know, successful in a variety of ways. I I know the football hire and, and kind of the tumultuous past year, maybe put him in a different light in a way, depending on where you stand on that situation. But it comes down to the fact that I I think he's a great person. I think he's a a successful AD and I wish him the best moving forward. I, I, I don't think that this warrants any sort of negative talk about Alan green or any of, of his tenure. I think that this situation unfortunately has not been the smoothest transition and for whatever other factors are at play, I'm not here to speak about that, but I just want to wish him well. I think, the Auburn family should wish him well because he did a, a, a lot for the university and he lived out being an Auburn man, which certainly is a priority of ours as a fan base. Yeah, when you think about Alan Green, like I said, I've had many run-ins with Alan. Uh, like I said, he's a great guy, a good character guy. And, and you know, he's a young guy. You know, people don't realize he's in his middle, middle 40s. So he's very energetic as an athletic director as well. Uh, I think this situation the reason it came about this early, uh, not waiting throughout the season, is the fact that this would be such a hot topic for the rest of the football season if he wasn't extended. And everyone would want to know, like, what's the wait? Why we're like, is he going to be the AD or not be the AD? And I think to try to calm down, they knew they would probably take a little hit about some noise early on. Yeah. But I think to calm the noise down from throughout the season, I think they both probably felt like, okay, from Alan Green, if you're not going to resign me and you're waiting to see something, but if you feel like I'm not your guy, cause we got a new president. So yep. if you feel like I'm not your guy and you have someone else in mind, which you can't blame the new president, everyone wants to have their person. Um, if you have someone that you want to bring in and then give me the opportunity now to go ahead and get out my contract so that I can start putting in for jobs other places because I may have some interest already and so let me go ahead and get a head start because like you said I have a wife and family to support right and I think in Auburn is probably saying well we'll honor that because we don't want to you know keep you basically in limbo trying to figure out what's going to happen or going to transpire that's that's a that's that's a lot of pressure and for us it gives us an opportunity to go ahead and say okay as Auburn we can get a jump start on trying to find out who our next AD is going to be. Right. And, and with all this going on, let's just be honest, you know, this is a big season for Auburn football. Yeah. And coach Harson, And, you know, I know Allen and his group, you know, they hired coach Harson, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, sometimes your job is kind of dictated off the people that you hire. And, right. You know, and last year was Harson's first year um, at Auburn. So there was a lot of learning for him as well and everything. So we'll see how much, you know, he had a chance to learn from his first year to getting ready for his second year, because it's a different transition from Boise state to Auburn. Right. You know, it's uh, it's just different. Like, 
you know, from a football standpoint, like football is like high up on the list when you talk about in the deep South, uh, you know, in Boise, I'm not sure, you know, what the levels of high importance it mm-hmm. is, you know, so those are different things. So it's just like, um, you know, at this standpoint, yes, Auburn's going to get a lot of noise. And, you know, most of the time media kind of creates a lot of this noise yeah. and everything, but you can't get caught up into that as a, as a fan or as a player uh, at Auburn. You just got to trust and know that everything will work itself out yeah. and, and that, you know, people will try to come together to try to make sure that we don't go through what we went through this off season out in the public, make mm-hmm. sure that we're not in a situation where the AD is kind of on his back in his contract. And he hadn't been extended before. But I played quarterback in the national football league. I had to play many times on the last year of my deal where now that's unheard of guys right. don't do that. Like they're not playing a season in the last year of the contract. They want to have some type of earnings for the future or know what's going to happen in the future for them to feel comfortable about going on the field. So it's the same way in business sometimes. And, not all the time it works out the way you think it is it should in business and that's just understanding i'm pretty sure alan green was thankful for the opportunity he had coming to auburn let's face it he got hired to come to auburn he never even saw the campus mm-hmm. so his first step on being at auburn was after he was hired uh so you know so he was here for you know four years and some great things happen. Like I said, baseball team has, you know, gone to World Series. Yeah. The basketball team has made the NCAA tournament uh, back-to-back years. Uh, you know, the gymnastics has been outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that have gone on that's, that's been really good. But let's just face it. What's the bulk of the thing that runs Auburn program? Football. It's the fo- football. Right. So everything always seems to turn back to football because it's the biggest grossing aspect mm-hmm. that helps feed the university and help build a university and help feed the other programs. So, you know, we wish him the best and his endeavors in front of him. And, you know, hopefully Auburn can, you know, also find a solid person that they feel like fits the marriage. You know, it's all right. about a marriage. You know, we got to be equally yoked here so mm-hmm. we gotta make sure we find someone that that fits that and that they feel like it should be here for us yeah and I think you you really hit the nail on the head that it, his job was you know it is so much about your hires and I think that when you look across the landscape of Auburn athletics like you were just saying between Butch and Bruce and what Jeff Graba has done with the gymnastics program, maintaining is definitely a part of the role, but the hiring is, is such a prominent piece. And the only hire on that list that was Alan Green's was Brian Harson. And whether, you know, it's been evaluated based on football performance or any of the off field controversy, that hire has not been deemed by powers that be as a success yet. And I'm not saying it won't be, but as of now, it has not been deemed that. And that's essentially the wagon that, you know, Alan was hitched to. Like you said, football is and always will be the top. You're in the SEC. You're in a state like Alabama where we don't even have an NFL team. So these programs are people's everything. They put all of their backing behind it. So for, you know, down years or mediocre years to be constant at Auburn in terms of football, it's not going to fly. So I can't say I was surprised. I'm not saying that that means it was deserved or warranted, but it just felt like all signs were leading to that simply because it hadn't been renewed at this point. But 
But moving on to football, another unfortunate departure that is confirmed. Nick Brahms has announced officially a lot of speculation in the past couple of weeks what he was going to do, but he has released an official statement and is officially hanging up his cleats. He put out a statement on his social media. If you haven't read it, go find it. It's very well said, very heartfelt. Ultimately, you know, he says that his his body just can't take the toll of football anymore. He has given it his all. He has, you know, played for so long. He's one of the veteran guys that chose to return this year, but his body ultimately had other plans. And he did say that he is still going to be living in Auburn. He's still going to be around the team and helping. I assume he'll still be on the sidelines in some capacity, but he is no longer, you know, going to be playing. And he has a future of being a pilot already lined up. He said his next pursuit will be his future career at Delta airlines. So Maybe he'll be flying all of us uh, heading to football games in the future, but definitely a guy that will be missed. I mean, we had to play without him in the bowl game last year. I think it was Jaleel Irvin who stepped in for him because he couldn't play to close out the season. And it goes beyond, you know, keeping everything in line, keeping everything organized. He really was a leader and, and a vocal centerpiece for that offense. And so losing him goes beyond X's and O's. It's also a, a veteran presence on the field. And I mean, Jay, you know better than anybody what that center specifically means for an offense and how things kind of gel around him. And so to lose a guy like Nick, uh, it, it carries a lot of weight. Oh, so much weight. Uh, Nick is the, like I said, outside of the quarterback, he's the the second signal caller. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has to call out the the pass protections at the line of scrimmage sometimes, redirect blitzes uh, when it comes to run schemes, uh, zone schemes, have to make sure that everyone's getting a hat on a hat. So the center position is so important, and it takes a lot of veteran leadership at that position to deal with crowd noise on the road. Uh, that's the other part of it. So you know, there are some guys that's in position, but they don't have the experience that Nick had. You know, Nick was a guy that was coming back for another season, which he would have been already graduated if it wasn't for COVID from a standpoint of not playing, could be able to play for Auburn. So he was coming back to try to give it another shot to see where he could be at. And unfortunately, you know, the injuries have just taken a toll. And when you think about the center position and you think about knees and different things, like, let's be honest, it's just like a catcher in baseball. You're squatting all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much pressure on the knees and the ligaments and, and, and everything. And, you know, people don't realize that. That's why these guys wear braces so much sometimes as, as mm-hmm. centers. But it also can kind of halt your mobility a little bit when you're when you're wearing them. But it's just for long term protection. But, you know, we wish Nick the best. Like I said, he's already got his head on right. Most kids come out of college don't even know what they want to do next. Right. You know, so he's already on to his second plan that he's already had in his mind of what he wants to become and what he wants to do. And that just goes to show you his maturity, goes to show you that, you know, he's he's has a plan of what he wants to do. So this is not like he's walking away. Yes, he's probably hurt the fact that he can't play the game he loves anymore, and this is it. But at the same time, he's – also excited about future endeavors as being a pilot and what that can bring to his life as well as excitement. So, you know, we wish Nick the best and this definitely puts a lot of pressure, you know, on who's the quarterback now who TJ Finley has been named the starter. So this puts a lot of pressure on him to make sure that he knows a lot of these calls inside and out when it comes to the pass protection and getting things redirected and, uh, and who's ever going to be the center, you know, we're hearing Tate Johnson, we'll see, but if he's the guy, then his first experience, 
you know, it comes at a good time to be able to go against Mercer and San Jose State right. before you get to a really big game. It's not like you're playing like Oregon and Georgia playing each other in the first game. So he get a chance to kind of get warmed up a little bit. So that's the positive aspect. Right. On the depth chart right now, Tate Johnson is listed at center with Jaleel Irvin or Avery Jernigan as backup. Again, that's it, it could change by game time, but that is how it's listed right now. But you're absolutely right. I think at a multitude of positions, the way the schedule is set up, much like last year, it does afford you the opportunity to get some some guys, some real in-game reps that aren't necessarily the same level that some of our, you know, SEC counterparts are playing like Georgia against Oregon, Florida against Utah, where you have to be a bit more fine tuned and there's not as much room for adaptation and adjustment as we kind of have with this home matchup against Mercer, but it's about taking advantage of the opportunity, right? You still have to play to that level, but you do have a little bit of flexibility in terms of, yeah, there, there are some guys out there that are going to utilize this as, as game reps because they maybe don't have it in their arsenal so far. Other big announcement that came out this week, of course, everyone was kind of waited, waiting with bated breath. We talked a lot about it last week with Jason Caldwell, expectation that this was going to be the reality, but it is official. TJ Finley has been announced as the starting quarterback on the depth chart. Ashford is listed as his backup. So TJ gets the nod and is going to be carrying the reins at least to start this one. So let's talk about it. I mean, Jason kind of gave us a little bit of insight in terms of what he had seen in TJ's development. A lot of it is just understanding of the offense and, and kind of the command processing a little quicker. Um, and TJ has also spoken with the media this week about his personal development as well. I'll, I'll get into that in a second, but just kind of initial expectations from TJ in this Jay. I think that, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty just because of, of what he showed last year, but he says that he was not mentally or physically ready to step in when he did last year. And that he really feels like he's come into his own and he has, has the confidence, which is a huge piece of this, but from, you know, an X's and O's perspective, what do you need to see from TJ this week? What, what do you think led the coaching staff to this decision? Well, I think when he talks about the aspect of him not being ready last season, you know, like I tell people, it's hard to be a backup because mm -hmm. you doesn't get you don't get all the reps that the starter gets. The starter gets basically ninety percent of the, the the reps, and you may get a couple of snaps as the backup. And when you're putting those games and stuff, you haven't been starting for most of the season, so you don't have really any really real rhythm or continuity with the receivers and, and the Florida offense. So you're trying to figure it out on the run. Where going into this season. Now he's had an, an entire offseason in the spring, in the summer, and now in training camp to be the guy and to have all those reps and have all that continuity. So we should see a different level of playing from TJ just from that aspect because he should be more prepared. Uh, when you think about, you know, for as, you know, this season goes uh, for him and everything, I just think it gets no better than the way we open up. You know, right. we talked about for the center position, even for us to figuring out who's the quarterback, you know, you kind of get a chance to get some confidence games in uh, against, you know, uh, against our first two opponents. So those are games that are building blocks. But I also think, honestly, like they decided to go with TJ because one, he's the, he's the longest tenor quarterback on the roster under Harson. Mm -hmm. So, and then the next is, he understands the offense because he's had an extra year head start on Robbie Calzada and Holden. So mm -hmm. as well, when you're on the, 
where people are saying a hot seat. I don't think people should say that right now, but when people are quote unquote putting a coach on a hot seat, I believe if you're a coach, you want to start off fast. Mm -hmm. And the quickest way to do that is to have someone pulling the trigger back there that's that's familiar with your offense, that knows the offense, knows how to get you out of bad plays into good plays. And that's who you kind of lean your hat in going with. And I believe they like Robbie Ashford a lot. Uh, I just feel like they think Robbie just needs some more experience and yeah. he needs some more time to develop the offense. And I think you will see Robbie play in a couple of games early on in the season, maybe throughout the season, you'll see him play in a few games because he does have some dynamic talent to him that can kind of put pressure on a defense that make them have to adjust their calls. Right. And so I think he will see some playing time as well. But I think TJ gets the nod to start off because of his experience. And like I said, they need to start off fast this year. Auburn needs to get off to a fast start. Right. And uh, just for team morale, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I just think that played an important role in it. And for Calzada, I just think once Calzada missed the spring and then missed most of the summer, he was definitely behind the, the eight ball looking to try yeah. to get the job because let's just face it. Yes, he beat Alabama, but he lost to four other SEC West opponents last year. Right. So it's not like you were completely sold on when he got here about, oh, Calzada's a guy, Calzada's a guy. It's nothing against Calzada. You still got to compete. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's not like he was proven already. Uh, so that was the other aspect. And Holden, he's a freshman. He's still a young kid that just got signed. That's still learning the game. Have to probably bulk up a little bit more to get ready for SEC style play. So it's gonna come down to how TJ can handle this offense and and with Robbie coming in, playing in some plays and everything, and and we'll see how it goes through the first five games before we move on to the season because that's when you really find out, you know, who's that guy. When you just standing there and get hit in the mouth and gets Penn State, and someone come through an a gap and untouched, can you stand there and deliver a throw? Right. Can you make a play happen when it's not the ordinary play? Can you extend the play and make something happen? That's when it happens when we get into the real SEC type games that you kind of decide, okay, is this our guy moving forward or or is it someone else? So I think, you know, congrats to TJ on winning the job, but the job is not done. You know, right. you got to continue and it's, it's your mind as a quarterback to keep progressing forward. Yeah, the job essentially just starts. You just found out you got the job is basically what it comes down to. So in this situation for week one, TJ's announced the starter. If this thing goes the way you expect and you have a very comfortable lead, if you're the coach, do you allow Robbie to start getting reps in this game? Or is this game solely for TJ to get his feet under him from start to finish? How do you handle that if you're a coach in terms of essentially both of them need the opportunity, but do you give it to both in week one? Oh, I would give both of them opportunities to play in first two weeks. Okay. Right, no doubt. Like, yes, you're trying to get your number one guy, but from what I've heard, the, the competition was so close. You know, so you if it was well. that if it was that close, you might as well let both of them play in the first two games. Um, yeah. And I say Robbie needs some experience. You need two quarterbacks ready to play throughout a whole entire SEC schedule. Look what right. happened last year. Bo got hurt. TJ had to step in, you know, and then TJ was on, you know, on the limp when he played an Alabama game. Mm -hmm. So you need to always have two to three quarterbacks ready to go and play. So anytime you can get that other guy some experience, you need to go ahead and do it. I remember when I was playing at Auburn and Brandon Cox was on the side and we was start off and we'd be beating people pretty good. And I'm under like, whoa, why I got to come out of the game right now? You know, cause, <laughs> 
the coach like, well, we need to get caught some experience because he's going to be our guy next year. But plus, if something happens, mm-hmm. then he needs to be ready to step in and play. So from a statistical standpoint, I wasn't able to put up a whole bunch of numbers in some of them games we blew out. People go, coach would take me out after right, halftime. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when you look at numbers sometimes, that's why I say numbers can sometimes be got to be like, but I didn't play in four or five games exactly. in the for my senior year. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Because they were trying to get caught some reps. So that's the same situation. And I think that it, this kind of feels like when you apply to a job and it they are like, well, you don't have much experience. And it's like, well, how do you expect me to have experience if no one will give it to me? Like he needs the chance to get those reps under his belt to say he's been, he's played, you know, in a power five college game. And then you feel confident to really evaluate what you need down the stretch, especially with a lot of the road environments that we're going to have, you know, but it it goes back to what TJ was saying when he, you know, was thrust into a, a situation last year, he said he didn't feel ready. Well, Robbie could very well be in that same situation if you don't take advantage of things like this. Um, but I think it'll be interesting. I, I said last week, I don't suspect TJ will be our starting quarterback by the end of season. I do feel that way, but I think he's got a lot to prove and he's got a lot to showcase. And this week gives him a fairly comfortable opportunity to do that. So let's go ahead and preview this one a little bit. Like we said, hosting Mercer and you mentioned in the open, they actually did play a week zero game. They got a big win over Moorhead state 63 to 13. So feel like they're going to come in with a little bit of confidence, but it did afford Auburn the opportunity to see recent film, see what they're working with, with the personnel in the system this year. So uh, a few notables to keep an eye out for their quarterback, Fred Payton is a 6'2", 220 pound senior who started all 10 games for them last season, throwing for 1,661 yards, 12 touchdowns and 10 interceptions last week in their week zero game. He went 11 for 17 for 248 yards and four touchdowns. They really were able to get that offense going against Moorhead state. And one of his favorite targets is wide receiver, Ty James, who holds the three highest single digit receiving totals in school history. He holds three of them. So this is a very caliber wide receiver out that our guys are going to have to be keyed in on, but their scheme is really designed to run designed to run the ball. That That's what they want to do. Will they be able to do that against our defensive front? I personally don't think so. I think you're really going to see the difference in these two teams when they line up at the line of scrimmage, the trenches are really when you're going to have a visible, you know, distinction of the difference between these two, really just the levels of, of the program, you know, that's just kind of natural. Do they have skill players? Absolutely. But I think that running the ball is going to be a real challenge for them, even though it's what they want to do. Um, they're running back Al Wooten the second, and they also have another back Austin Douglas. They use him a lot out in screens. Um, so they have some key pieces. Do, I think that this is uh, definitely a, a comfortable matchup for Auburn, but you you've got a couple guys that you look out for and you make sure to key in on. They they definitely throw in some RPO um, with Fred Payton be a very being a very veteran guy, a senior quarterback, and and he kind of has the comfortability to do so. But I think more so than the matchup, it's more this is an opportunity for Auburn guys to really show who and what they are at this point. So. We already talked about, you know, the quarterback situation. I think TJ obviously has a lot to show, but uh, 
otherwise other positions, who really needs to take advantage of this matchup and, and show something, whether it's a position group, a specific person, what are you keyed in on for week one, Jay? Yeah, it's two big things for me. I want to see one as an offensive line as a whole without yeah. Nick Brahms. You know, I want to see can they open up some holes in the run game and can they pass protect when some of these one-on-one opportunities present themselves? Uh, can, you know, can they build a wall around the quarterbacks and can TJ have enough time to throw the ball? The other aspect there, both is on offense for me, but the other one is the receiver group. You know, Ike Hillier has done such a tremendous job since he's gotten a job and and making these guys better and having them to grow. And you can tell that he had a competition that was very, that was very competitive in that room because you heard the names of Camden Browns, you know, come yep. up the, the star player. They think he's going to be, then you hear about the Dawson kid, you know, him and Travaris Johnson, him basically becoming a starter, you know, over a senior, but Travaris is going to play a lot as well. But that just goes to show you like, Back in the spring, before spring started, everybody was wondering who's gonna throw the ball to. Mm-hmm. Now you got you got some guys. You got guy. You got Coy Moore to transfer from LSU that they think is gonna be a really good player. Shedrick Jackson coming back for a sixth season. Everyone say he's he's gotten a lot better. So, and then let's not forget the tight ends and Shanker. So, right. I want to see how these guys do in the passing game as far as passing catching, but also what you do after the catch. Your catch and run. Um, you know, making guys miss in the open field. So, as a unit, I just want to see those two units see what they're like because they're going to be a very important part of how far Arwen goes offensively and uh, as we continue to move in this season. I agree. I think the wide receivers have plenty to showcase and obviously, you know, getting to talk to Ike a few weeks ago and him talking about the talent is actually there in this room. I think it's an underrated group, but they have to have that belief. You know, I think that they, a lot of his emphasis has been the mental aspect of this. And again, the way our schedule is set up affords them the opportunity to gain some of that confidence in your home field, in a matchup that you're expected to be able to air it out, take some deep shots. Like let's get this group confident out there. And I think that they'll be able to do just that. If you look at the two deep right now at the X, they've got, Shedrick Jackson with Camden Brown right behind him at the H Tavares Johnson. I'm sorry, Tavares Dawson and Javarius Johnson. And at the Z Malcolm Johnson with Coy Moore behind him. And then obviously the tight ends that you anticipate will be utilized a good bit. And we also know that they don't hesitate to bring the backs out of the backfield, put them out there. So I think that there will be opportunity to really air this thing out and see what we've got in the passing game. And I'm excited to see how they develop. I am really excited to see Colby Wooden. I think that he is set up to have have a really big year. And, and we need that, you know, really forced to be reckoned with off the edge, especially once we get into SEC play. And a lot of the really versatile quarterbacks that the league has this year, it's it's going to be tough. And I think if if Colby really comes into his own and, and is that force off the edge, I think it'll it'll bode really well for this defense. And Jason Caldwell told us last year, last year, last week, Iku Leota is someone to keep an eye out for. He's at that stud position and, and he's really kind of been a quieter, you know, name, not one that we've heard as much, but one that the coaching staff is really hype on. And then of course, getting Owen Papo back out there, you know, I think that, you know, the way we talk about Nick Brahms and what he is for that offense or was for that offense, Owen is that for this defense and he has been for years, but he's been so crippled by injury. He's had to do it from the sideline. That guy gets to take the field again. And I 
bet you money he is chomping at the bit to do just that because he is a competitor and he is a leader for this team. And if he's at full go, I think that you are going to see a lights out Owen Papo, and he is just going to be all over the place, kind of be the quarterback of that defense. And I'm excited to see him back out there. But then, I mean, you've got a lot of familiar guys when you go down this depth chart on the defensive side, Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, Zion Puckett, these guys that you really are just expecting to tap into that next level. They're guys that we've talked about in years past, even, you know, last season, but it's time for them to shine and kind of be that force. And, and I think this year sets up for some of them on the defensive side to do that. There's been so much focus on the offensive side, given, you know, the questions and, and the needs on that side of the ball that the defense has probably just been able to, to, to sharpen, you know, iron does sharpen iron. And I, I look across this depth chart and I see a lot of iron on the defensive side. Just talk defense. This defense, yeah. I think, is going to be really, really good. I do too. Um, our secondary depth is outstanding. You mm-hmm. know, you talked about Jalen Sims. You talked about Nehemiah Prickett and, you know, the guys that, that kind of coming back. Uh, Donovan Kaufman is yeah. another guy. So when you talk about guys like this, let's not forget, we just signed the number one Juco DB, Keontae Scott, who's right. on campus. And he's making a lot of noise already. He wasn't even there for spring and summer. They said this kid came in training camp and, Already, you can hear, you can see why he was rated so high. Uh, you, you talk about J.D. Rims, the guy that came from Valdosta, that the, the the high school corner that's very, everybody's very high on. So the depth is there. And, you know, one of those two guys could be a starter by the end of the season as well. When I think DBs, they rotate so much, it's not really a starter, none starter. If you got yeah. really five to six DBs in a passing league like it is now, shoot, like, that's a recipe for success. And so I'm excited to see what the newcomers can do. I'm excited to see what Jason Jones can do to transfer from Oregon to defensive lineman. Uh, see what kind of see what he can do down at three technique stance and uh, see what kind of pressure he can help uh, generate put on the quarterbacks. Uh, like I say you already got Hall and Kobe Wooten and those right. guys. We expect big seasons from them because they are seniors and everything and and guys that we feel like can step up and help this defense this year put create pressure on the quarterback, especially in the 34 defense that we're running this year. Uh, so they have another year under their system and running that same style defense a year ago when they was under Derrick Mason. But under Coach Smith, it's still the same system. Uh, when you think about the linebackers, Owen leads the group. You yeah. know, Owen is a guy with Cam Riley. Cam Riley is a guy that people, you heard Jason Caldwell say, he's kind of reminds you of a Carlos Dansby. Well, if you know that name, if you're an Auburn fan, then you know the ceiling is very high for Cam Riley. So you think about that from a standpoint. But Owen is the guy that got to get this thing going. So he's the guy that wasn't there last year. You could tell that his presence wasn't there, even though this team played a lights out generational remembrance type defensive game against Alabama last year at home. That was without an Owen Papo. So now if you get an Owen in there who can help make some of those calls, who can help get some guys lined up and everything, I think it helps really, really well when that signal caller is a guy with so much experience. And he has to be chomping at the bits because when you miss an entire season, like it's hard to watch football from the sidelines when you can't be out there and help your fellow teammates. Right. So, you know, I just expect so much energy from him and uh, and what he can bring to the table. But defensively, though, I expect us to be up there with some of the top in the SEC this year. And you want to need a strong defense until your quarterback can get settled in and get comfortable. 
and also into your your new offensive lineman, your receiver. So defense, I expect to start the season ahead of the offense, yeah. which is they should because they had less changeover. You know, and I just think from an offensive standpoint, it takes a little bit more time because it's all about rhythm, continuity, and being on the same page. And that only happens. Yes, you can scrimmage all you want, but your quarterback can't get hit in a scrimmage. And you're not hitting Tank Bisbee in a scrimmage. You're not hitting uh, Hunter in a scrimmage, Jacquez Hunter in a scrimmage. So you got to see other guys. And I also want to see the third running back on offense, Demar Austin, the kid, Demar Austin from, yeah. from Woodward High School here in Atlanta. You know, everyone, I'm hearing a lot of great things about this kid that how he can spell time for for Tank and for Jacquez when they need it, especially in those first two games where if the game is out of hand, we don't need those two guys taking extra hits, you know. It, so we just got to take this thing one game at a time. But when you look at Auburn's roster as a whole, though, Taylor, it is not bad at all. No. And people are just chomping at the bits and spitting out stuff and saying stuff out there and, they have no idea what this roster actually looks like. Right. And they're just basing it off this team went six and seven last year. Let's break it down then. The team went six and seven last year, but most of their games were lost in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So if they can learn how to win the fourth quarter, that easily could have been a 10 win season. Right. So you go into this season, you learn how to win in the fourth quarter. And now you got, to me personally, you got more depth at the receiver position this year than you did last year. Right. So, and then your running backs are a year old, and you just added to the running back room. Your biggest loss was our center in Nick Brahms. Yes, everybody can say, well, Bo Nitz is not here. Well, Bo, you know what I'm saying? He's at Oregon, but that was inconsistent. We all knew that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that was kind of, it was a roller coaster. Exactly. Not like it was just always on the high. Uh -uh. You know, it was a roller coaster. So, you got to say, so that wasn't like, oh, so you have to get that a, a free opportunity to see what happens with the new quarterbacks. Right. And and so that's the thing. Like, this team has an opportunity, and you have your first five at home. So my biggest game out of those first five, the first one's always important, but I'm not looking ahead. But if you can get that Penn State game, mm-hmm. everything turns up a little bit more. I agree. You start out with two home games, then you get the Penn State matchup at home and then follow them up with two home SEC matchups. I think the same could be said of them. If you let that Penn State one slip through your fingers, you kind of set the precedent that, hey, we're capable of letting one slip through our fingers like that, and we have such a tough gauntlet of the SEC games ahead. Or you pull that one off, you go into, I think we get the Missouri one. I really feel good about that one. You go into an LSU matchup at home 4-0 and with the opportunity to be 5-0 and going down the stretch, you have solidified confidence on this team. So I agree with you. I think that Penn State game is pivotal, but it's incredibly imperative that they get off to a a strong start. And look, if there is any uncertainty that this coaching staff has right now, if there are any questions, you answer them in weeks one and two. You, You have the luxury to figure that out, to iron out kinks, in the first two weeks of season, you have to be a well-oiled machine by week three. So you figure it out in weeks one and two. If that means you play your entire depth chart, so be it. Because you answer your questions in these first two games so that by week three, you establish what this team is going to be. But speaking of big matchups, there are a few this week. I actually really, I like the slate yeah. for week one, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, 
less than compelling matchups, but we've got some good ones. And so before we close it out, let's get Jake Ham's picks on some of these week ones. Let's start with the backyard brawl, West Virginia versus Pitt. I can't say I would have expected this one to be that compelling, but West Virginia is going to start JT Daniels, the former Georgia quarterback who transferred up there. And Pitt has now gotten is it Kadon, Kedon, Slovis, the transfer from USC? So two transfer quarterbacks that have played at very high levels. Obviously, Pitt coming off an ACC championship, but that was in large part due to Kenny Pickett, who is now in the NFL. But this game becomes a lot more competitive, I think, because of those two pieces. Who do you pick in this one? Yeah, I like this uh, this game, this matchup. When Me you too. Think about, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, coached by a very good coach. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a guy that's – name is going to be hot out there on the radar. But when you think about overall, they lost Kenny Pickett last year, who's, you know, he's a first-round draft pick, but you get the transfer from USC, and I just think this team is rolling hot. So this game's in Pittsburgh. I'm taking Pittsburgh Panthers. Okay, I like that. I'm going Pitt as well. Now, obviously, a very interesting matchup for Auburn fans is going to be Oregon-Georgia. For the obvious, Georgia is one of our biggest rivals. They're coming off a national championship. But, of course, Oregon is now the home of our former quarterback, Bo Nix. Now, Oregon is trying to play coy. They have yet to announce the starting quarterback, which Kirby Smart doesn't give a flying frick about. He said he knows who it's going to be. I I fully think that if you're not saying it, it's probably the guy that the team has the most familiarity with, and that is Bo Nix. Expecting that we do get to see Bo Nix starting in this one for Oregon. He also has a lot of familiarity with Georgia. Georgia, like I said, coming off a natty, but a lot of the pieces, especially defensively, departed for the league. They had a record high defensive draft picks in this year's NFL draft, so a lot of new faces for them as well, but who are you going with in that one? Oh, a lot of new faces in new places. But I tell you this, uh, (laughs) Georgia's defense coordinator from last year is now the defense coordinator, I mean, head coach at Oregon. So, yes, he will have a couple nuances, but let's just face it. This is about it. It's not about S's and O's. It's about Jimmy's and Joe's. And (laughs) one thing that Kirby Smart can do really well is recruit. And this game is based in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So mm-hmm. it's still pretty much a home game for Georgia, which would be 70% of the tickets would be Georgia fans. So I just think coming off a national championship, the new guys are ready to get on the field. They're anxious to get on the bid and prove that they belong uh, in that in that ranked position that they're still highly ranked. They want to say that, hey, there's no drop-off is what they're trying to say. And you get your quarterback back in Stetson. He just came off a national championship as the MVP, so he has a lot of confidence. I'm going to go Georgia at home. I mean, I'm going to go Georgia just because it's a basically a home game for them and they're right. riding off the energy. Yeah, I'm going with Georgia too. I, I really hope that one's a, a tight game though. I really like these out of conference power five matchups to start the season. Another one, Utah, Florida, obviously Florida hiring Billy Napier in the off season. And he's really tried to revamp that program. If you've seen the pictures going around of, of the team, I think he's got just as many staff members as he does players. But I personally, that was one of my favorite hires last year is Billy Napier to Florida. I think it's a fantastic fit. He is the disciplinarian that that program really needed that Dan Mullen wasn't. And I I think that he is probably a a good option to get the Florida of old back to the forefront. But can they do it in such a quick turnaround? Utah is really kind of a dark horse to win the Pac-12 this year. They've got a lot of prominent pieces and, and a lot of flow. So Utah, Florida, who do you take in that one? 
Ooh, that's an interesting matchup. Billy Napier coming over, uh, you know, so from Louisiana to be the head coach of Florida. When you think about this game, I don't understand Florida fans right now. So people, it's fifty percent of people sold on the guy, and fifty percent ready to hire somebody else. I was just like, are they talking about he can't recruit? I was like, the dude just got the job. What you mean? Like, so yep. I like the I like the coach. I think you give him a chance. This is a tough game to open up as your first game though against a really really good Utah team that's coached by Willingham, who's a really good coach. And I just think that right now Utah just has more in place. That's the only reason I think Utah pulled this one out in a close close one in Florida. Yep. I agree. Okay. So we're agreeing on all of these so far. I'm, I'm going Utah as well. Yeah. My most, my most interesting game. I want to see everybody's talks about Ohio state, Notre Dame, and I'm taking Ohio state in that one because how are you going to stop that juggernaut of the offense? I, I just know. don't think Notre Dame can keep up with them. But the game that I'm most interested in seeing is, is Arkansas versus Cincinnati. Oh yeah. Same. Like that game to me is very, very intriguing. Uh, fam, you in Jackson State, and I'm gonna tell Ooh. you why. Fam, you have was down 25 players going into the North Carolina game, and it was a close game going mm-hmm. into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And Jackson State, all the noise around Dion all off season, and the kid that he got the number one college recruit and Travis Hunter that signed with Jackson State. There's a lot of stuff boiling about the HBCU, and they just signed the CBS contract to get more TV games, and ESPN will give them some more games. So this could be a stepping stone for the HBCU to be turning the corner upward as far as being more nationally televised. And I think right. this game is going to be a really, really big game down in uh, the Hard Rock in Miami. So I, I like those two games, and – I think, Taylor, those may be my two top games outside of seeing how Clemson looks against Georgia Tech. Um, Oh, right. That one will be Monday night. That'll be Monday night. And the reason I say that is last year, Clemson opened against Georgia, and it was a defensive just slugfest. Right. And I just feel like Clemson's quarterback never recovered from that game because they had so much high expectations on a year, and it seems like once they lost that game, it just deflated the air out of them. This year, they start out with a Georgia Tech team, and they're highly ranked. Clemson's number four. So, right. with this bowl well for them in an ACC conference where they're really not going to be competitive, except for North Carolina may give them a little something and mm-hmm. Florida State, but still yet to be seen. Right. Florida State, and LSU, Florida State LSU. That's what I was going to say. That'll be interesting, too. What is Brian Kelly up to? down in the bayou. I mean, a, a place that always gets recruits that that's never an issue. And now you bring in Brian Kelly. A lot of people still don't necessarily buy the fit of Brian Kelly and LSU, but I think that one will be compelling as well. But yeah, I actually the, the seal that like does college football picks or whatever, he actually picked Georgia tech. Now I don't know how really? much weight we put on a oh. seals pick, but we'll see. We will see, but all in all, a really exciting first week of college football. It is all back people and it all begins now. So with that, I think we will say goodbye here on believe in everything. Auburn again, kickoff 6 PM central time at Jordan hair against Mercer. You can catch it streaming on ESPN plus sec network. Plus you can check Jay on the radio or go attend in Jordan hair. Like I'll be doing. So everyone enjoy it. We will be back next week to recap all the action and preview the next matchup with San Jose state. So everyone enjoy it. College football's back. We will see you next week. War Eagle. War Eagle. See you on the planes. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.